let's just get into it. Let's go ahead and just do okay. a clap. We're going to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. I don't know. That, that was, one. Mm. That one was not on. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. That was not. It, we're not in the same zones today. Oh, uh, look, it's been a rough morning. I don't know why every sound is happening in my house, but it is. <laughs> so, you know, I just it's been rough. All right. Well, before we get too much into the roughness that's going on today, uh, <laughs> this is Connie and I'm here with Becca. And uh, we've got a lot of. A lot, or maybe not a lot. I don't know. We'll figure it out mm-hmm. as it goes to talk about today. But Beck's got the evil lawn leaf blowing neighbor at her house today. He thinks that he is some kind of like, what are they called? Landscaper? He thinks he's this like <laughs> premier landscaper of his yard in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where the whole, the whole neighborhood looks like garbage in their yards. And then here he is, like, tiling the, the little driveway. And every day he has the damn leaf blower out. There are no leaves. He has no trees. What is he blowing? Um, maybe he's like, maybe it's like, a, he thinks it's like hair. Like, you have to blow it out to let it get it be its full best self. But it literally, like, <laughs> he mows it so often, there's no hair to blow. Like, there's no grass. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, there... There are aspects of that that I admire in, like, taking the time to, like, <laughs> have pride in the, you know, appearance of the outside of your home. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I got too much other shit to do. Like, I don't I do not do the outdoors in general, and then I don't do the outdoor work at the house. When it's done, Stacy does it. Yep. When we had time and when she had time, we had, like, a Cub Cadet mower, which should like, just give a free mower to all lesbians anyway. Cup cadet. <laughs> it's the preferred mower of lesbians. Sounds about right. It's probably the only brand other than, I don't even know what it's called, John Deere stuff that I really know of. Yeah, and you know, John Deere, that's just, like, that's too far. That's country lesbians. Yes, you are correct. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, we live in the country, but we're not country lesbians. I mean, I don't live in the country, but I've seen John Deeres around here, and people drive on the road with him. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah, but Cub Cadet. I mean, it just has that name. It's like the the alliteration. It's got Cub in it. Cadet. I mean, it's got Cub it's, in it. <laughs> it. I mean, it's 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 designed nice. It's like that off color. It's not quite white. It's not quite tan. It's just like a whatever kind of color you want to call it. So Cub Cadet. It's the fer- perfect fit for lesbians. I mean, it's like designed well. It's got that name. So all I'm saying is Cub Cadet. If anybody out there remotely related to the Cub Cadet company is listening, we could use a new mower over here. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it every week. I'll do pictures of the mower <laughs> and put it in the podcast. I'll I'll you do. You mean you'll all go outside? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I won't. I won't ever use it. <laughs> I mean, I like to let the professionals do the professional stuff. Stacy is good at the yard. I am not. See, that's my whole thing. Tiffany's like good with the outside stuff, but she's allergic to everything. She's allergic uh, to grass, but she mows the lawn. So it's yeah. like, uh, and I could do it if somebody told me how to do it. Nobody ever taught me things as a kid. That's something that I've learned recently. Well, I was taught as a kid because my dad was like the major general of yard work. And mm-hmm. so it was Saturday mornings. He got up, he put on, my dad like installed these, like those speakers, like you put on your boat outside you know they're all weather speakers he put them on the corners of our house he put them on the corners of our house (laughs) and then would put in whatever eight track you know because i was from i grew up in the 70s Mm -hmm. so whatever eight track we were listening to outlaw country music or whatever and start that stuff blasting at like 7 a.m so there was no sleeping in on the weekend 
See, I yeah. wasn't trusted with the knowledge of how to do things because they thought I would, one, get hurt, or two, mess it up. And they probably weren't wrong. I mm-hmm. mean, there are a lot of things that Tiffany will come to me and, let me, and be like, Becca, um, you know when you use a baggie, you have to get the air out of it. And I said, no, what do you mean? She said, that's how you save the food. You put it in the baggie and you get all the air out of it and then you put it in the fridge. And I had no idea that's what baggies did. Like, I didn't know that you needed to take the air out of it. I've never heard that in my 50 years of existence. I don't know if that's actually right, but I'm going to research it because I just put the the item in the baggie. I zip the baggie or or do the little, you know, squishy, pushy thing that Uh you have to do. And I just put it in there. I mean... The air. That's what I said. You're not getting all the air out with your hands unless you've got a vacuum sealer. So some air is in there. I don't know, but it was something about, it was like this cheese that I'd put in a baggie. And she said, Becca, what is this? Because it was, I will, I will say it was very full of air. It did kind of look like a cheese balloon. But I didn't know like, hey, you're supposed to take the, like the air out of this. Like, I don't don't know. You could have, you could have used that for like packing material. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I could have. I could have fit more, like, meat in the freezer. So, like, it was bulbousy. I hate yes. that word. But that's you what I You said picture. it. I didn't bring it up. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We're so off track with lawnmowers <laughs> and cheese bags and all of that stuff. It's life, man. <laughs> We're a few days later than we should be talking about this, but um, the Oscars. Let's get into it. Okay. Um, I love award shows. Everyone knows this. <laughs> Everyone that is on my Facebook feed knows this. I get people, if there's a music or a TV or some kind of, like, I don't care about, like, sports award shows and things like mm-hmm. that. But music, movie, TV, I'm going to watch them. It's a thing I did when I was a kid with my mom. She was very into it. She was, you know, into what the stars that she liked were wearing and who was there with who and what drama was going on that she read about in her magazines at the at the hair salon, at the beauty shop, you know. So these award shows then were just like an event. I would I remember sitting in the green shag carpet of the seventies, early seventies even when I was very little. My bedroom had that. Yeah. When I moved into my last house. Yeah. <laughs> Laying on the floor, you know, in like bed clothes and watching these things with my mom. And so I am unapologetic like it never fucking fails that when I post my little running commentary on these which most people I believe enjoy but when I post it there's always got to be some fucking dick face who comes in there and is like I don't even know why people watch award shows it's all blah 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 and I hate this and it you know shouldn't be a competition and this and that and and I'm like well I have my reasons for watching it which I've just said but also like if there's a game get in the game if there's awards out there, why not be part of them? Like if if you're an actor, and you obviously know that those things are all just like, you know, very surface. You're doing the work because you want to do the work. But if somebody's going to be recognized, don't you want to be in the game? That's that's kind of the point where I'm at with the awards stuff is, you know, with me being with a theater back- background that I came from competitive theater. It's not so much about like competition as it is being recognized for the work you've done like it's like yeah. a it's like a nice little oh like you did well like exceptionally well doing this and it's just like a nice thing to be able to be recognized for that so i don't really see it so much as a competition show as much right. like i see it more as like a look at the great work you've done you deserve to be recognized for that or even just a hey we like you yeah who doesn't want 
people to be like, I like you. I like what you're doing. This meant something to me. You know, and I know, and, and, and I'm going to be that person who says, I know that in Hollywood, you know, it's all like camp about campaigns and what studio could put money behind something or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a game, you've just got to figure out the rules of the game and play it. That's the way life is a game. Figure out how to play there, it. There's also, you know, like stuff like the Kennedy Center uh, Theater or uh, College Competition. Tiffany goes to it every year. She won this year. She's going mm-hmm. to nationals in a couple months for mm-hmm. a sound design. There was everybody from the Southern Region there, and it's not that any, like, none of them are going thinking, "Well, I'm better than you. I'm gonna fight you on this." Like, it's not. It's not about that. It's like, oh, look at this really cool design that was done somewhere completely different. Like. That's what's really cool about these award shows that we see televised and, like, the bigger media companies because it is something that regional theater and everybody has. So I think that it's, you know, for these actors and uh, choreographers, uh, what are they called? The camera people. Mm -hmm. Filmographers? That doesn't sound right. Filmatologist. (laughs) Cinematographer? That sounds right, yes. (laughs) Well, there's also the costuming element. There's the makeup element. And they also get awards. So it's it's a great thing to be able to show the accolades of these mainstreamed, like, performers. It's just like a, hey, let's not take it too seriously. It's, you know, nobody's dying if they lose. Mm -hmm. Nobody's career is ruined if they lose. But your Mm -hmm. career can kind of be boosted and made and you can get a lot more opportunities and a lot of ability to do more things Mm -hmm. if you get some sort of recognition and you know also the oscars sometimes it's like okay these films that i don't think necessarily need to be nominated all based on my taste are nominated but it's my taste and there's other people with Mm -hmm. their taste it's all subjective now it like this year once upon a time in hollywood was my favorite movie of the year Mm -hmm. um i'm a tarantino fan that's problematic in itself but i'm a tarantino (laughs) fan this movie took me like it was a hang. It took me on a ride. It dialed in and checked off all my boxes. It's about classic, vintage, 60s Hollywood, um, which was a heyday for movie making and film and in art and music and the look of films that I'm very much into. Also, it coincides with the Manson murder story, which I'm totally into. Didn't know that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Serial killers and, and the, the whole Manson family thing. And I love Sharon Tate and that whole... I like American Tragedy. Have you seen the Sharon Tate movie? Which With one? With Hilary Duff? The yeah, I, I watched about 40 minutes of it and I had to turn it off. I don't blame you. Yeah, it was Love horrible. her, but wow. <laughs> yeah. So this movie was Quentin Tarantino. I call it his... And I when I really like something, it sometimes it has this element to it. I call it his love letter to Sharon Tate. He cool. let her be seen in a way... Beyond, you know, famous actress murdered and slaughtered in her home. Mm-hmm. You know, she gets, you get to, that's what people think. They see those still pictures of her and then they see Manson's picture slapped right beside it. And it automatically paints a story mm-hmm. that she has no control over. And so I feel like he, you know, was a fan of her and wanted her to have this fairy tale because this movie is very much mm-hmm. a fairy tale so this isn't the once upon a time in hollywood the story <laughs> that i need to be telling it's like <laughs> too much to talk about here <laughs> but you know you have it nominated against things like ford versus ferrari which i didn't see eh. and yeah it's christian bale and was it matt damon about matt damon, racing yeah. yeah i mean i'm sure technically it was great it may have been a great it didn't it didn't call to me to go see it and then mm-hmm. things like Parasite, which I know is a horror movie, and so you probably have an opinion on Parasite. I 
I have watched parts of it. I haven't been able to get the whole film because I didn't have money, but now I have money so I can mm-hmm. rent it. Um, mm-hmm. But I've seen parts of it, and it's it's more than a horror film. It's more than a thriller. Like, mm-hmm. it really, really is because it really does it does its job and tells two different stories. Like, mm-hmm. it tells the horror aspect of what's going wrong, but then there's a the larger scale aspect of... Uh, the horrors of the world we actually currently live in with the mm-hmm. war between the rich and the poor and what happens when it when it all falls down. Yeah, I, I gathered that it was more than just a horror film, by the way, that a lot of people whose opinions I really trust were talking about it's it. Dope. I just, I have not, uh, we didn't get it here in our theater, of course, and oh, so no. I didn't have the opportunity to see it. And I'm going to, to get it. I actually found a version of it to watch, put it on. It was a great copy, and then I had no subtitles. And I was like, well, this is doing me no good. Well, <laughs> I'll get another version of this to watch. So I that's on my list because I do love horror films. I, mm-hmm. I like well-made horror films. If it's got suspense and it's telling some other kind of duality of a story, then mm-hmm. I'm super interested in that. Um, off topic a little bit, I watched something the other night that I'm pretty sure you've seen. Midsummer. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's You liked it? I did. Because it was so weird. Like, it was like... It wasn't scary, like like horror. It was like I'm uncomfortable, kind of like yeah. Hereditary was. Like it's the same yeah. thing. It's that same feeling of like I don't think I should be watching this. Well, it's the same director, yes, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, and that made sense to me. I didn't know that until after I had watched it, but afterwards I was like, oh, okay, that's why this is how it is. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. I loved the idea. I loved mm-hmm. the um, settings and like what they did with making that Swedish village yeah. and. All of that weirdness, like its own world, was fantastic. Yeah. I very much it get into beautiful. that stuff. But boy, oh boy, it was just, <laughs> like you said, so uncomfortable. I mean, I ended up with a stomach ache that night that yeah. kept me up most of the night. And I thought it was something I ate. And then I'm like, but I wasn't sick earlier. And I think it was the damn movie made me sick. Probably. There's a movie that came out a long time before. Well, not a long time. Before uh, Hereditary did. The Witch. That movie came yeah. out. And that was what something that people were saying was super uncomfortable. Well, the same team that worked on The Witch then worked to create the story for Hereditary, then worked on Midsummer. So mm-hmm. it's just this thing where they're, it's not so much trying to make you scared. It's just grotesque, but not grotesque enough to make you feel like on edge without there ever really being like, you know, an anvil dropped. Yeah, and I guess On Edge is a good description of, of that. So I was wondering, um, it seems like a lot of people spoke about Parasite and Midsummer in the same conversations. And so yes. I was trying to see if maybe they were similar or something. And uh, uh, I don't know. But As far as I can tell, the, the, the uncomfortableness is more with the fact of watching the world devolve and like seeing what the circumstances are that made that happen. Like, that, I do get that, and I do kind of see the uh, long shots that they kind of had, that I watched, you know, got to see some of. Uh, it has the same kind of feel of watching that, you know, Midsummer did with the look of it. Well, Midsummer did one thing is that it, it, I thought very well was it accurately depicted tripping on mushrooms. <laughs> I have never been a fan. I did back in my college days. I did a ton of LSD. I think it. I think it altered my brain. I'm not the same person before college in many aspects that I was, but definitely <laughs> due to the rearranging of whatever in my brain. But shrooms were just something that like all the like really like laid back chill hippie kids did, and I was just like, 
uh, I don't know. And I never had a good experience because it was unpredictable. And mm-hmm. I felt like that's what, like when the boyfriend in Midsummer gets that drink, which is laced with something. Uh-huh. No clue what it is. No clue, but I'm going to say it's very much like the experience when they took the mushrooms in the beginning of the movie. It's yeah. just like, am I in this fucked up wonky world where I don't know what's going to happen next? I have no control over it. Mm-hmm. And when's it going to fucking end? Mm-hmm. Was what, And that's kind of what Midsummer the whole thing was like. <laughs> I get that. It's kind of like just holding on, holding on, holding on. But there's never a moment to like release because there's never like a big it happened moment. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Well, bringing it back around to the Oscars with Parasite, (laughs) an issue that I had this year was that Parasite was nominated for Best Picture overall, also Mm -hmm. nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, and it won both. So I think Oscar has a problem. It needs to decide if you're in Best Foreign Language can you also be in the best picture because the other pictures that are in best picture can't be in the best foreign language category. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Like you're either slotted, you either have a best foreign language or you don't, you put them all together and it's the best pictures from wherever in your 10 nominations for best picture, or you keep, foreign language to foreign to U.S. language films in the best foreign language category. It seems like it it's, it was not fair to the other films. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It's kind of a double-edged sword. Like it, like it, I understand that it needed to be in the foreign language category. Like it did. Because mm-hmm. it was a foreign language film. Mm-hmm. And I also see like it, it deserved to be in best picture, but it needed to be one or the other. And I do see that. Yeah. Did the Oscars used to have a bunch of different categories for the movies? Like, didn't they have, like... Okay, no. That wasn't the Oscars. I don't... I've been watching them too long. The Golden Globes do best uh, drama, um, Mm. and then they do comedy musical together as a category. So you won't get a comedy mixed in, where in the Oscars you could get drama and comedy, although they rarely ever do comedies in Best Picture. Like, other than that, they consider, like, Woody Allen movies comedies and things like that. You wouldn't get those mixed in. It's generally historically been a very stoic category for very serious type movies. You know, we don't want any light fare that is good in here. But they do have always separated foreign language and um, best picture. I think that in that moment, then, they would need to make a decision if it goes with the foreign language films. Like, if that's all they're letting it be. Or if they're just going to just be like, it's good enough, it could be the best picture overall, and just keep it there. Like, I do I do agree with you there, that it shouldn't have done both if that's not historically how it's gone. Yeah, if, if they're going to do that, then they need to get rid of best foreign language film altogether. And not, you know, because they're saying that, okay, we are an American organization is what they're essentially saying. If they say we have best picture, but then we segregate best foreign language pictures over here. But what about this one that crossed over? If it was good enough for both, great. But then you got to do away with that other category. Okay, I'm off my soapbox about that. <laughs> I'm just really mad because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did not win best picture. I'm also mad because Little Women, I feel like... Little Women was robbed in many, many, many ways. I never understand how you can have movies where the actors or actresses are nominated. The film can be nominated for Best Picture. You can get all the other various technical awards. But if you've got those main, like if you're getting a screenplay nomination and you're getting acting awards and you're getting overall Best Picture awards and then you don't nominate the director. Well, who do you think wrangled all that shit together? Yeah, Oscar snubbed Greta Gerwig, who is just one of my <laughs> favorite creators 
Oscar snubbed a lot of women. Yeah. It, it has, historically. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been, what, four Best Director nominations, I think, in the history. Uh-huh. Someone can fact check me on that, but I think it's four. One of those was Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird uh, a couple of years ago. So that's good. But And Lady, Lady Bird was good, but Little Women was amazing. I feel like Little Women was... I might get beat up for this, but it was better than Lady Bird. Like, it kept me in it. It's better than Lady Bird. You won't get beat up over here. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> but, like, I watched Lady Bird, and I was like, yeah, it's good. Like, I wasn't... Too, I wasn't... Sitting there thinking, like, what's going to happen with this character? Like, where is this going to go? And I wasn't, like, super wrapped up in the way that it looked or any of that. But I was with Little Women. And it might be because I kind of knew the story from when I was younger. But I don't think that's what it was at all. I think it was just a good film. It was a good adaptation. Because she did. I have not read Little Women. Mm -hmm. But I've seen the other movie versions. And I had Stacy basically tell me like how the book was. My son was in the play of it, so I've seen a play of it. (laughs) What she did in bringing it up to modern times and the Me Too generation and the, you know, Women's March generation and taking characters that we've all felt a certain way about, like Joe, and Mm -hmm. making the obvious things about Joe and wanting to have a career and wanting to be independent and be not married and those things and bring them into a very watchable film. It wasn't preachy. It wasn't overdone. It wasn't like slamming you over the head with these feminist tropes. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and and, and the great thing is when we went to see it, um, I think we went on New Year's day. And so the theater was full, but there were a lot of dudes there by themselves Mm -hmm. that came to see it. Two guys came. Now they set a seat apart in between them. They didn't want anybody to think they were sitting (laughs) together. At at the theater, they they put their popcorn in between them, you know. <laughs> Two bros chilling in a movie theater, one seat apart because they're not gay. Is that what yeah. this is? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. At Little Women. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so uh, anyway, talk about this forever. Also, is that it was my second favorite movie of the year, and I feel like that. Os- you know, I say Oscar like he's a person, but it's a thing. Oscar's got to start like broadening and, you know, uh, taking into consideration different things, starting with the whole parasite in the category that it's in. Looking at the amount of movies directed by women, I was really a little bit surprised that Booksmart didn't get more. I uh, was confused why it didn't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was like. You know, it was recognized at the Golden Globes and mm-hmm. critically just overwhelmingly positive, especially for Olivia Wilde directing it. Exactly. And for the performances by Beanie Feldstein and uh, Caitlin Deaver. Yeah. Yes. We went to see it in the theater. It was, I've watched it several times now. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It would have been nice. I mean, what if we had had Greta Gerwig and Olivia Wilde nominated? Woo, two women nominated for director. We cannot have that. That would have been beautiful, though. They would have looked great. Speaking of beautiful, let's move over to our lesbian fashion review. We gotta get a good name for this. Is it Flannel Fashion Week? Flannel Fashion Week. Um, I don't know. We're going to think about that. <laughs> I kind of just like lesbian fashion review because it's such a like an oxymoron almost. Yeah, you're of. right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if anyone could actually see our attire today, they would understand. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same T-shirt I've had on for three days, underneath a sweatshirt that's been on for two days, with uh, my jeans and my fry boots. So. I just got out of the shower. I'm not coiffed <laughs> at all. 
quaffed, coiffed, quaffed, whatever. Quaffed. <laughs> coiffed. That's a new word, and I don't think we want to use that here. No. <laughs> it's very close to another word uh-huh. that a friend of mine uses way too much. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, lesbian fashion review. Let's start off by, we never mentioned the men in fashion reviews, like, because they basically kind of wear the same thing. You mean a tux or a tux or a tux? Yeah. If you're a guy, it's a pretty safe bet to go with the classic black. Maybe you flare it up with a little bit of velvet or a shiny collar. Maybe you go navy. Maybe you go the thing that I like, which is the white sport coat. Mm -hmm. You know, I like that. And there were several people like Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, Mark Ruffalo, all these people. They just they're smart. They know. Put on the tux. Stand by the pretty lady in the nice dress. I'm golden. (laughs) But one guy didn't get the memo this year i don't think he's ever gotten the memo when it comes to an award show gonna be honest i'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing i'm just saying it's a thing it's a choice timothy chalamet (laughs) who's had i think last year or year before last he wore a harness which was a bold move it was last year i think because i remember that and i feel like coming off the heels of what's that movie you call me by whatever name I call you. Call What's me that? by your name. Yeah, okay. I you can call never get that me right. by whatever name you would want to. <laughs> Coming hot off the heels, that I feel like he wanted to give the gay dudes what they wanted because they're so into that movie. So he wore the harness, and I was like, eh, okay. It's it doesn't even look good. I don't know why you would wear that. This is not the appropriate setting for a harness. <laughs> anyway, and then this year. We just got a glimpse of him for a minute, and I was like, what the fuck is he wearing? And later to find out that it was a Prada tracksuit. I didn't know who he was at first, because I couldn't recognize him in the tracksuit. Yeah. I was confused. Why do you... Is he going to the gym after? Like, what's... I don't understand the new fandangled thing of luxury tracksuits. Like, (sighs) what... Juicy Couture, like, did it back in the 2000s. After that, they realized, oh, it's dead. They brought it back, and it's not any better. Yeah, well, old things are coming back, so maybe maybe he's trying to... I don't know, maybe he was just wanting to be comfortable. It's a long show. Who knows? I mean, it's only acceptable if he had, like, snacks in the pockets. He probably did. Although it was really tight-fitting, so maybe he didn't. But... I mean, they had this big, like, bucket pockets in the front. I mean, it's real easy to, like, hide some chips away in there. It'd be great. Yeah, well, that was the only notable thing besides Billy Porter that I noticed from the um, <laughs> non, uh, I can't say non-dress wearing, but Billy Porter was wearing a dress. So exactly. Billy Porter generally, I have no problem with everything he does that is kind of considered outlandish to me. It's just Billy Porter. It's just Billy Porter style, and it's fine. I didn't care for what he wore. Uh, is it he or they? Do you know? I think it's he still. Okay, I think I did not. I did not care for the print or the design on this. It looked like something out of Caesar's Palace to me. Very Donald Trump top. Caesar's Palace, Cleopatra on the bottom, which... Okay, now I know what you're talking about. I was confused for a minute, like, what outfit we were talking. Yeah, it was the... Now, the one he wore on the award show when he performed with Janelle Monae, fine, great. But the red carpet look is what I was talking about. Okay. And I I just didn't care for that one. I thought it was a Billy Porter misstep. But there were a lot of ladies who did not have missteps, our most loved Brie Larson. We've already talked about this one. Briefly, yes. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't too extravagant, though. Like, we gotta, we gotta just no. say that right off the bat. Is like, she doesn't have to go, like, super, like, 
encrusted with gems and stuff. Like, she just needs, like, a simple, pretty dress, and she pulls it off very, very well. Yeah, she looked like a nice, bubbly, glitzy glass of champagne. I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, Sandra Oh, on the other hand, looked like when you pop that cork (laughs) off the champagne and it shoots out of the bottle everywhere and, and hits somebody in the face... That's what her champagne looked like. <laughs> I was more thinking like, you know those jellyfish that people can't decide if it's like a plastic bag or a jellyfish? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. kind of the vibe it gave me. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was very her. It was like, she she's worn dresses like that and I'm I'm fine with it. It wasn't, she didn't look bad. Mm-hmm. She just, it was not her best choice. Yeah. <laughs> Who else did we like there? I liked Renee Zellweger. She has looked really classic at all the awards shows and she's racked up and won all the awards for Judy. She also looked ripped as hell. Did yeah, you see working- her muscles? Oh my god! Yeah, she's been working out. Yeah. <laughs> she's got that like, I think she's probably approaching maybe 50, I would say. I I'm just so, guessing. Yeah. Fact check me later. <laughs> she's doing that thing that, well I'm gonna sound really skeezy right here. She's doing that thing where like, like a like a woman slides into herself in her forties, and then like something <laughs> happens where, like they just get that little bit of like toned, taut look. <laughs> oh, yep, they sure get something out of that. <laughs> Would you like that slides into herself? Uh huh. Comment. And she gets that toned, taut. Uh huh. That's great. That's great. You know what I'm talking about. Sure I mean, do. We all know what I'm talking about there. Yeah. yeah, no. They hit their stride. Like, it's like, yeah. You can look back and you can go, oh, okay, this actress has been around since their 20s. And you can, like, look back then and you're like, well, they were cute then. They were attractive then. They were obviously talented then. Mm-hmm. But it's like a convergence of all that shit. Like, all their time, like, in Hollywood their, or, or whatever industry they're in, their experience. And then they, like... They're done with the bullshit, you know? Yeah. And it's I, just yeah. like I think it's a convergence, like it's a it's a like in science class when you drop all that shit into the beaker, you know. It's an amalgamation then, of their yeah. character all in one. And then they just get ripped as hell. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They're just yeah. And I don't know if it's a ton of working out or if it's just like some crazy chemical thing that happens with them. They're just it, tired of all the bullshit and their body just bulks up and they're just like, Nope, stay away. Like, I'll smack it out. And what they do then is come back and after 10 years ago of winning one Oscar, they boom, they slide in and win another one and sweep every award show, which is what she did. She did very well. Also, someone who I normally just, in general, don't care for. Sorry. Write me a letter if you want to. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I'm just not a huge fan, and it really, I was before Veep, but there's just something about Veep and, like, everyone, like, telling me it's the greatest thing in the world and that I'm supposed to like it and that it's comedy genius and i just don't get it and so then i like project that on her anytime somebody tells you like you need to watch this is the greatest thing ever that just makes you not want to watch it right like i really i understand that i've never noticed her or like disliked or liked like it just mm-hmm. she's there mm-hmm. yeah like i know the name but like nah. yeah take it well she it. She was in, I noticed her immediately on the red carpet because she was in just a solid dark blue classic dress. It looked great with her hair. It looked great. She had like the one like simple necklace on with it. So classic was like a really good look for her. Some other people that did classic this year. Let's see. Who did I have? I wrote, took some notes on these. Um, we said Renee was classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Margot Robbie did it in a little bit different way. She was like a gothic witch. She looked so good. I loved it. It reminded me a little bit in that um, that Dark Shadows remake with Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer was the best thing about that movie. And it was in those black witchy looking gowns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a good movie. <laughs> uh. It'll get, get me every time. Let's see. Who else was... Greta Gerwig, we've already mentioned, she wore the green, solid, dark mm-hmm. dress. Very simple, very classic. I guess simple and classic must be my my thing. <laughs> I was very into Kristen Wiig's hot lasagna look. Yeah, that was definitely lasagna. I told Tiffany it looked like a Snuggie and a piece of pasta had a baby. And then <laughs> Kristen Wiig was like, I need that on my body. And that's what she did. I immediately was struck that it looked like she was part of a fallopian tube see that too yeah and then immediately following her i saw kathy bates who looked like she had on of like the top of her dress was a vagina yeah i was yeah at first i didn't believe it was kathy bates and then i was like no that's her that's that's her with her head poking out of a vagina i i don't understand that look either i mean (laughs) i I think that that's the theme of us reviewing fashion is we just don't get it like (laughs) why why is this your choice Rudy Mara, who was there with um, Joaquin Phoenix, who, as you told me, had been wearing all the same suit or mm-hmm. like a... The same vegan suit that he's had for the past like whole uh, two award seasons. Well, Rudy Mara looked like the saddest lingerie model ever. Really? It, like The top of her dress was like like three different pieces of lingerie attached to just a solid bottom. And she looked just really sour and sad. And then I got to thinking that if he's worn that suit the whole time... <sighs> Maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> Maybe it was a little stinky there on the red carpet. Yeah. Janelle Monet was in her spacesuit, which I loved. Did you see her? I did her? see the spacesuit, and I remember commenting on it, and I don't remember what I had said about it. I think I said that she was a monk from the future. That's what I was that's, telling Tiff. That's that's a good description. Yeah, she looks like when you you know you get sucked up into the um into the UFO to be studied and probed. Like she's the supreme being that is waiting there in her <laughs> shiny silver sequin uh, space garb to greet you there. So all right, well that's that's a little bit of our fashion review for you guys. I might try to put these pictures of these people into the podcast. I know that's a thing you can do, but what? I'm not a. Uh, yeah, you can put pictures that people can, when you're talking about it, then the picture will pop up on their screen and they can see That's it. Did you know nuts. that? Yeah, I don't know if I'm that advanced or the not. future. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I might try to do that. But the other thing that you and I wanted to talk about this week is what we've been going back and watching, how our, how our viewing habits have changed a little bit from trying to keep up with all the new content that comes out. Now, obviously... Like when a show that I really like has a new season pop up, like with Sex Education recently, mm-hmm. um, things like that, I make it a priority to go in. Like when The Crown comes on, um, okay. shows yeah. that that we that we like are just so in love with, and we've been waiting like a year for when they come on. I definitely make the time to watch those. Mm-hmm. But there's just a glut. Like every time I put on Netflix, and you know they've got that you know recently added and trending topics on there, and then like it's just new show after new show after new show, and I feel like my viewing time is kind of precious to me. And do I want to invest one to two episodes into something two hours in to realize that I don't care for this. It's not, I've wasted my time is what I feel like. 
So what I've been doing a lot lately, and I know you've been heavy duty doing it because we talked last time about you going back and watching something that you hadn't seen Mm -hmm. that was from, you know, years ago, United States of Terror. Mm -hmm. What I've been doing is just putting on safe bets, like things that I thought I was putting them on for the fact that I know them, that I can step in and out of them, that I can drop my attention for a little bit to do something or to walk out of the room or come back and it's it's okay I don't have to pause it mm-hmm. I thought that's why I was doing it but I feel like more so I'm doing it for some other reason like that it's like the safety of nostalgia yep we need that right now yeah yeah I read an article after you and I had already talked about talking about this that reinforced it for me it was in the Guardian I just randomly found it online and it was saying how the you know the most watched show I think of the past well, definitely of this year so far, of the past little bit has been Friends. Mm-hmm. That can't just be the people that have already seen it, you know, or, or, you know, haven't seen it and are just discovering it, watching it to make it the most watched thing. It's got to be people who had already watched it that wanted to rewatch it or people that loved it so much that they put it back on to rewatch it. Exactly. And that's what I've been doing with things like that 70s show, which you and I talked about and you didn't get into it. And we don't have to talk about that 70s well, show. I mean, but it, it's not a bad show. It's a good show. I just wasn't yeah. into it in my time. That's that's right. just something I've started discovering. There are a lot of things I wasn't into. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that we don't have to talk about it because it's the show itself isn't like what's in the show necessarily isn't why I'm going back and watching it. It's like how I'm connected to the show. I've been putting that on and you have gone back and been rediscovering things that you had not watched before yes things that i put off watching one because i knew something that was going to happen that would upset me or just like everybody kept talking about it so like i said the more you tell me you like something i'm probably not going to watch it like i like to find things on my own time and uh recently i i finished watching all of unbelievable and then i was suggested to watch dollhouse from tiff so i did Mm -hmm. and it's got uh eliza dushku in it I call her douche canoe because I can't ever, like, remember how to spell it. So it just, it comes out really well on Google when you type that in. Um, But then Tiffany was telling me how she knew her was from Buffy, the vampire slayer. Oh, Buffy. Boy. And for years, the, the four years that me and Tiffany have been together, she's told me many times to watch Buffy. Because I, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between... I have never seen Buffy at all. Not a single episode until about a week ago. <laughs> I'm not going to shame you for that by any means because there's things that I haven't watched and some of it has been because it's just like colossal, like 20 seasons of something. And I'm like, yep. I can't get into that. And also, I'm not going to shame you because I know that everybody has to come to whatever in their own time. And I know that you love Buffy now after you've watched I it. I do love it. I didn't want to watch it back in the day because when I was young... You know, it, it, when it was first on and coming out, I heard about, you know, the, the the queer love thing that was happening. And then I heard about the death of Tara. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to put myself in that show. Like, I didn't want to watch it. That was the number one thing that turned me from that show because I didn't want to, you know, fall in love with these characters and then immediately have them get killed. That is one of the hazards of not watching something when it's out on its initial run or even on reruns and then coming to it later is that if you've not gone spoilery, you know, if you've not gone spoiler free mm-hmm. and you've gotten spoiled, there can be things where you're like, oh, I don't want to see that. Just like with the Tara thing. That's something that 
mm-hmm. that I talked about with you because I watched the show as it was airing. And so for us not to know that these events were coming up that yeah. ended up becoming like really big, like cultural and, you know, queer cultural turning points Yeah, for us not to know and to be hit with them like that. It yeah. was even more devastating, well, that's, <laughs> but you, yeah. you knew that it was coming and still it's a thing that you were like, Ugh. oh, I'm still putting it off. I've gotten to season six, but I've only watched one episode. I am inching towards it. <laughs> But, like, I could not know about it because I lived yeah. on the queer side of the internet. Like, that was where I've I've grown up with all the access to all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like I could go spoiler-free. But, you know, even Tiffany said, like, she wishes that I could have gone without knowing, like, what happens. And I, I've not seen the scene, really. I know it was in Queering the Script, but I didn't really watch too closely on that because I was more panicked about everything else going on because I thought I looked like a fool. But, you know... <laughs> It, and it just, I haven't seen the actual scene, so I don't know what to expect. I just know it happens. Okay, well, it's going to be a, a thing, and as soon as you watch it, I want you to text oh, me. Oh, Buffy's already been a thing. Like, I I knew that it was going to be a possible, like, trigger issue with the death of Buffy's mom. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was just going to be about, you know, like, because a character died, and I can handle that. But Tiffany was like, no, no, no. I need to sit with you for this because it's it's the way that Buffy reacts. I've seen you do that. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, I don't really understand. And I watched the first, like, three minutes of it and immediately had to pause it and stop because I could not stop sobbing mm-hmm. because of how recent it is for me losing my mom. But the exact words that were coming out of Buffy's mouth, I said. Mm-hmm. And the exact reaction of... If I just could have gotten there sooner. And then when when Xander was talking about how blaming the doctors, it had to be the doctors that did this thing. Or Buffy saying, she was fine. I literally have said all those things. And recently. And so that hit hard. Yeah. It has not been recent for me in losing my mother. It's been 19 years this year. Which, mm-hmm. uh, it it's as fresh as the day it happened. I get and, that. Um, I did those same, same things. Mm-hmm. If I did this because I my mother um wanted me and Stacy to come for the weekend and and bring Tanner and come for a visit and I was just living my life and it was inconvenient for us to go that weekend we ended up changing our plans and I called her and you know we were much younger then we were kind of poor then my mom was like is it money do you need me to send you money to come and I was like no no mom which is there's work and there's this and and I didn't go that weekend and I think my mom knew something because she fell into illness that next day. Yep. It went into ICU and she never came out. That is that I, I feel the exact same way. I mean, I yeah. when I, my, my, mom, my mom got sick out of nowhere again and mm-hmm. I went and visited and, you know, went to the hospital and everything was fine. And they discovered what was going on. And she knew I had a math test coming up and I was trying to graduate. And she always wanted me to stay at the hospital and she was there. But everybody else sent me on. Mm-hmm. And that day, my friends took me out to go see a Muppets exhibit because mm-hmm. I'd been having a hard time. And if I had just, and I was going there back to the hospital the next day. Mm-hmm. If I had just been there that day, you know, mm-hmm. w- it would have changed things. Is how I feel. But that's, but that's what this show has done so effectively. It puts you back in that space. 
this yeah. episode, the way that they really humanized it, what it really is like losing someone and not believing it, mm-hmm. like, it puts you in that headspace all over again. Yeah. And I don't feel like we need to explain Buffy to anyone if most everyone has watched it. At I'm this the point. only one that hasn't. And, and I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're caught up and getting on that train and almost <laughs> done now. But uh, the great thing, you know, when you tell people like, hey, people are like, what are your top five TV shows? And if you stick Buffy in there or your top ten or whatever, people like automatically. I feel like they delegitimize your list, yep. and those are people that haven't watched it. Yep. Because Buffy gives you everything. It gives you the I mean there's so many things to list like you have it does the thing that my favorite shows do is it creates a world and a Mm -hmm. mythology and it fills it with people that you feel like are your friends and you know if they're not your like if you didn't have friends like that you want to be a part of that friend group it also gives you these someone with superpowers someone who's different someone who feels other in a mix of people who all feel other, but yet they find a home with each other. Exactly. And create a world that, that you want to be a part of. And then they're up against obstacles and crazy, you know, vampire killing vampires and all these mythological creatures. And and, the world ending multiple times over. Like, yes, yes. And gives you a hero, a hero you can believe in. Like, who can't believe in Buffy? Like, she's going to fix everything. But it's not just everything. one hero. They, they, yeah. they give you multiple heroes at different points of their lives. Like, that's the thing. The whole friend group is heroes. And it kind of shows that anyone could be a hero in those situations. Like, that's something I've really loved about this show so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it takes all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Buffy couldn't have done it by herself. Although she's the one, I think, that inspires them to all be heroes. Well, that was one of my favorite parts with the when they had to come and do the reevaluation with Glory showing up. They straight up asked her, like, they asked each one of the people that are in the group, what do you do? Like, how do you help her? And, like, she made it very, Buffy made it very clear, this wouldn't all happen without all of us. Like, there is something, even with Xander, who really doesn't do much but get hurt. I mean. But he's the heart. He's exactly. the heart. Exactly. Yeah. You need that. But uh, the one thing I wanted to say about with uh, the queerness of it, I did not know when the first kiss thing happened. I didn't know. And I was waiting. I was ready. I was excited. I was into it. And it came in the episode where of the mom's death. And yeah. I paused after. And I looked at <laughs> Tiffany and I said, they couldn't even give me this. I can't even get excited about this. I'm too busy sobbing over here. But it was the smartest decision for a show in that time. It was the mm-hmm. best decision because it made it so, so humanized. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't about this big buildup of the kiss. Like, it wasn't, like, a big deal. Mm-hmm. It was just human reaction to be there for each other. Mm-hmm. That was the best thing they could have done. And I really commend them for that. Like, it was the best idea and it was well executed, and that's that's kind of all I can say about the show. It, it they use their best ideas that they can in that time. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge Joss Whedon fan. I just think everyone involved with the show, like, were doing their best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you put it the right. It was like the best. So if you haven't watched Buffy, go back and watch it. I mean, it's gonna be a roller coaster ride. You know, we didn't have the WB when it was first out here and yeah. we only had the three base channels and so we missed like the first little bit of it but then it 
immediately they were they were gonna reshow it on some channel and I don't remember what it was. So mm-hmm. it was the the reason that we went out and bought a TiVo. Remember back in the days of TiVo? Yes. Nobody said that name in a while. But we went out and bought a TiVo because I was like, I want this from the beginning, and I want to record every episode, and I want to watch all of this. Yeah. And. I've watched it so, so many times. I have one question for you. Angel or Spike? I like Spike better. So do I. (laughs) I just, Angel's too much puppy. Like, he's too sad puppy. Like, I'm just not into it. If I was straight, maybe. Even then, probably not. I like the bad guys better. Like, I never got it before. Like... Mm -hmm. Because in high school, you know, all your friends are always like, I like Loki because he's hotter. Like, everybody liked the bad guy, quote unquote. And I never got it. Well, then Faith came into the picture. Then we saw Vampire Willow. Yeah. And I know that there's a big bad Willow coming up. And I'm into all of it. Yeah. And I loved Spike from the beginning. Like, I just, I like his attitude. I like his off-the-cuff kind of style of, like, he doesn't really give a fuck, but he does. And all he's ever wanted is love. Bad boy with a heart of gold. Bad boy with a hair of gold. Yeah. <laughs> I One of my other things that I really loved about the show was the character of Anya. So much that I named yeah. my first Siamese Anya. <laughs> you know, Anyanka, the vengeance demon. <laughs> and and the one of the greatest things was that everyone that met that cat, uh, and I'd be like, this is Anya. And they would be like, from Buffy? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Number oh, one, I know I that, that you like Buffy, which is great. And you got that reference. So I love you, you know. Yep. All right. Well, rounding that all up is like, there's too much out there right now. And I think too much out there in the real world. And we, the two of us have fallen back into mm-hmm. the, our safety zones and going back and rediscovering things from a different time. And I don't know if that's... A symptom of all the chaos that's going on and the disconnectedness is that I like to go back and sit in Eric Foreman's basement of that 70s show <laughs> with those, you know, and I can quote that show word for word. And maybe that's some of it. I don't know. But I hate to, you know, I've been known as like a person who keeps up with TV. Like people are like, oh, I'll, I'll look at to see what you're what you're watching, yeah. you know, and and that kind of thing. And I, I feel like I'm failing people a little bit like The Outsider just came on HBO and started. I heard about that. Like, I really want to watch that. I read the book. I saw a few previews for it at the beginning of January around the holiday time and you know things were super busy for us and then I I missed it premiering and nobody else was talking about it and so it just slipped out of my radar mm. and um a friend we were out here in town and a friend said sat down beside me and said all right let's talk about the outsider and I said man I haven't watched it and he was just uh, appalled he's like it's the best pilot episode I've ever seen of television number 1 and number two, the rest of it has been the best I've ever seen of television. And I was like, okay, that's a strong endorsement. I'll have to get into this. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, a couple days later, I said, look, Nate says we've got to watch this. So let's put it on. It's got Jason Bateman in it, mm-hmm. who I'm a huge Bateman fan anyway. And then Ben Mendelsohn, you know, he's in Star Wars movies, but he was also in um, Bloodline on Netflix. And mm-hmm. I just think he's an amazing actor. So I was like, I- I'm in for this. And we put it on. We started at 1030 at night. We watched till 3 a.m. Fair. Both of us, me and Stacy. Um, we went to bed, got up the next morning and she got up and she was like getting dressed and like right away. And I was like, are you going into town or something? And she was like, no, I got to go see what's going on on that show. Get up. We're watching. <laughs> we're putting this back on. <laughs> so that doesn't happen a lot with her. She's fine with just cruising in and out of my viewing, you know, and, and 
seeing what's going on and then watching her procedurals on her own time. But she was like, nope, get up, up, out of bed. We're going to start yep. this show again. <laughs> so, um, and now watching week to week has been torture. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Big, big endorsement for me. There's nothing, um, I don't believe we've seen any gay stuff in it so far, so I don't know if anything's coming or not, but it doesn't really fit in the topic of this show except that it's a great show, so watch it. All right, Beck, let's round this up a little bit. Can you tell everybody where to find us on social media and That's online? always a test for me. Uh, you can find us across all uh, social media platforms at, what is it? Tell me one more time. Gay Stuff Podcast? I think it's Gay Stuff Podcast. Okay. I want to say Gay Stuff Pod every time. So everyone go search Gay Stuff Podcast on all these social medias, and you'll be able to find us, locate, uh, you know, the new episodes, and when we update you with what's going on with everything else. Um, you can also find me personally on all social media at Tiny Gay Cookie. And you can find me at Butch and Sissy on uh, Twitter and on Instagram and my personal account if you want to tag along there because I do post about all kinds of gay stuff there but mm -hmm. other stuff too at Connie underscore TV and uh, butchandsissy.co is the website where you can uh, peruse all of my LGBTQ offerings and pins, patches, stickers, all that kind of stuff. There's also an Etsy store and I wanted to make a little announcement that all of my Natasha Negavanless uh, Vanless collaboration items will soon be available on the Etsy store as well. So I know that makes it easier for some folks to buy because going to the website and and perusing on there and it's, you know, maybe something that you're not thinking about doing. But if you're already on Etsy, just cruise over to the Butch and Sissy store there and you'll be able to get the um, Natasha Negavanless branded stuff that she and I are working on together. And we've got some new products. She's been sending me little sketches and things, which is really cool that, you know, she's getting these little aspects of her personality out and these little doodles. And she thinks they're little doodles. And I'm like, this is a work of art. This what is a thing. Yeah. Make it a thing. <laughs> Let's put this out. Also, we would appreciate any reviews um, and especially subscribing and clicking off the notifications so that you'll be able to hear the episodes as soon as they come out. If you like what you're hearing, like what we're talking about, don't like what we're talking about. Give us some suggestions. Put it in a review. Those help us get ranked and help more people find out about um, our show so that we can uh, keep doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we would do it whether more people found out or not. We watch a lot of stuff. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So until next time, it was good talking to you, Beck. Talk, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.